Hello, and welcome to another episode of In the End, a morbidly curious podcast. I'm your co-host, Emma Hitchcock. And I'm Tara Ingman. And you guys, I know we keep saying whenever like fire and burning are brought up (laughs) in this podcast, (laughs) we keep saying we're going to do an episode on cremation. So (laughs) that day has arrived. Here is the first part of our two-part series on cremation. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually when we started making a list of topics. I believe that was the very first one we put on the list. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> so nearly a so year yeah, later, today, here we are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today I'm going to talk about kind of the the history of cremation, ancient cre- cremation in the ancient world. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with um, modern cremation and like how we kind of arrived at the landscape as it is today right to go from like open pyres and whatnot uh to like actual crematoriums yeah yeah so uh, like the stuff that i'm going to talk about today is obviously mostly archaeology so i just wanted to say a bit about like the nature of the evidence and like how we know the things that i'm going to be talking about today so So archaeologically speaking, there are like two main types of cremations that we find. The first one is called primary cremations. And those are like in situ, like the remains of the funeral pyre, right? Mm -hmm. So like burn a body, leave it there, gets covered over and becomes part of the archaeological record, right? Those are primary cremations. And then there are also like secondary cremation burials yeah Mm -hmm. where like burn a body go through and like collect the stuff put it into some sort of container and then bury the container like right we do today like put it in an urn exactly sometimes you put it it in an urn or put it on the mantle or whatever right so those are the two types that we find now if you if people are like we do today like you just said putting urns like on their mantle, then we're not going to find that, right? (laughs) Like, we don't recover that archaeologically. Unless you're going to bury the urn, we won't be able to find it. We also wouldn't find evidence of cremations if, as is also common today, the ashes have been scattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are almost certainly more like peoples that have practiced cremation that we are not aware of because they're not like one of these two types, you know? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like you can't add something into the archaeological record that you can't find, period. So like if it's not. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Precisely. Um. And archaeologists also love to make, like, little classification schemes. <laughs> so yes, yes, there do. are a couple. <laughs> we really love it. <laughs> and then we love to argue about the minutia of our Exactly what schemes. goes into each classification, because technically this, yeah, no way. Right, Historians absolutely. also really like to do this, but ours is, like, even squishier because it's all ideas. Yeah. 
So there are a couple of relevant classification schemes to talking about cremation. The first one is stages of heat damage to bone. So when bone is heated, the first stage is dehydration. So the bone loses its water content. The second is called decomposition, where the organic material in the bone is lost. The third is, ca is called inversion, which refers to changes that happen in the inorganic structure of the bone. And the fourth is fusion, where like the inorganic crystals in the bone fuse together. So when we find cremains, which like is actually what they're called, um, when we find uh, cremains, you can look at the bones and you can tell like based on the structure of it, like how much heat it was exposed to. This gradation is part of the way we tell. Then there's also um, it's five degrees of like burnt bone. Okay, so when you're looking at this and you're looking at like this, your little structure here, um, does that help you determine if it was like in like if you if you find cremains that are not like in an urn or a container or something? Mm -hmm. Does that help determine like if it was intentional? Because I mean, presumably yes. once you have found that you haven't like. You don't necessarily know that it's a funeral pyre per se. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It helps determine things like the construction of the pyre. Yes, you're right. If it was like probably intentional or if it was like an accidental fire or mm -hmm. something like this. Um, how long the fire burned, what type of fuel they used, like all, all these sorts of okay. things. Um, this sort of stuff can help determine. Right. Which is why those so incredibly anal retentive structures are useful because they help you. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> triangulate. Them. Right. Right. <laughs> there are also four, no, I'm sorry, five degrees of burnt bone. So grade zero is apparently unburnt. So it looks like it's not burnt, even though it has been slightly burnt. There are no signs of burning. This is happens at temperatures under about 200 degrees Celsius. Grade one is called smoothing or sooting. So this is like, like an imperfect cremation, like a partial cremation. They're also sometimes called. This happens, um, like this smoothing of the bone that this grade is named after happens because the bone has been exposed to oxygen, like high levels of oxygen. Okay. And that kind of smooths out the surface of it. But the heat for this, this grade, grade one, um, is over 200, but not over 400 degrees Celsius. Then grade two is called slight burning. So the, the, bur the bones are burnt, but they're still kind of like a pale, kind of creamy, more natural color. Mm -hmm. um, the max temperature for this would be like seven to 800 degrees Celsius. Grade three is moderate burning. Again, this is a similar appearance, but like still like the bone would be even paler. The temperatures are around 1000 to 1100 degrees Celsius. And then grade four is called hard burning. So these the bones are like white, basically. I like this. I like of... imperfect cremation as a 
as a term and i also like hard burning i feel like all burning of bone is hard burning uh they these bones are like super burnt like white this kind of like porous chalky consistency they crumble really easily and the temperatures would be around like 1200 to 1300 degrees celsius okay so when you burn bone it goes from its kind of like natural creamy color to a dark gray and then to black and then to white the white will probably have some blue patches throughout which is determined by like the heat and the duration of burning and like the exposure to oxygen so like the oxidation rates and these sorts of things um but so burnt bone is actually like this whole range of different colors. <laughs> um, Spectrum of gray. Like, it's grayscale. <laughs> yes, yes, it usually is. <laughs> and most cultures practice, like, across both time and space, practice both cremation and inhumation, which is just, like, another word for burial mm-hmm. in the ground, um, simultaneously. Along with maybe, depending on where you are and what time period, like some other burial treatments or like body disposal treatments, some like exposure burials and this sort of thing, perhaps. Um, oh, we should definitely do an episode on that. Right? Which are super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about sky burials in a bit. But yeah. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> so, but most cultures practice like both inhumation and cremation at the same time, even if one type or the other is dominant. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's not like, just like today, right? We practice both types. And like, you can, the relative proportions of each type changes throughout time, but like, both of them happen and both of them are accepted ways to bury the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems to, it typically depends on class largely mm-hmm. um, yeah it can like historically historically I mean, yeah historically one type is popular with the wealthy right so that's going to be less common simply because there are fewer <laughs> wealthy people um, yeah yeah it depends on like a whole right if you're right. doing both of them it, it depends on a whole like different um range of factors right. yeah societal like norms social generally. identities yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also like I won't get into this too much today but like there are this whole other range of like other types of mortuary fire or heat treatments um, the Near East is obviously like the area that I am most familiar with and for example in the kind of like late third through the second millennium BC, um, there are these examples that pop up of heating dead bodies. This is thought to be a means of temporarily preserving the body because heating it up like this slows decomposition. Oh, kind of like making jerky, like not to be really gross, but like, yes, yes, absolutely. Preservation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that the body can be used in like protracted long funerary ceremonies. Yeah. And it can be like, 
paraded around the countryside because it's the king who has died and he needs to be like taken to all of his lands or the king died like a thousand miles away. We need to like bring him back to the capital for burial, like these sorts of cases. Right. It's hard to carry around. Like, again, we're talking about the Near East, like it's hot as fuck. <laughs> like it's hard to carry around a fully decomposing corpse. So you like smoke them a little bit, basically. <laughs> and it slows decomposition enough to like get the shit done that you need to do, you know? Right. And it, I mean, we've talked about other groups that have done similar things. Like the Incas did like father mummy. Yeah. Um, right. So they could keep that <laughs> in the corner or like we yeah, do yeah. Um, embalming now mm-hmm. to try to set yeah, it exactly. so that we can do the funeral rituals that right. we want to do. So their version was to right. just make people jerky. Yeah. Which is definitely an yeah. option. <laughs> totally. And like, it's not that like the, as you say, the like idea behind it, the purpose of it is not really any different from like modern embalming. Yeah. It's just that they obviously have to use different techniques, right. you know? I kind of like there's better in a weird way. Like it seems, <laughs> I don't know, rather than using all of those like potentially dangerous chemicals that you then like put into the ground. Oh yeah. Like I think sure, it's much better. Just throw somebody in the yeah, smokehouse yeah, yeah. for a while and do our thing. Totally. Why not? <laughs> so let's talk about some, um, obviously I can't go through like every single culture in the entire world right. across all of time that has ever cremated any portion of their dead. Right. <laughs> that That's would be a different much. podcast. That is just that podcast. That podcast is just called right. Cremation. It doesn't exist. But like, could easily do an episode a week for the rest of forever on that. Yeah, for literally the rest of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, let's talk about some cultures around the world that like where cremation was a majority practice again like i said not the only practice but like the majority so starting with the near east because obviously like i said that's the area i'm most familiar with that's your jam there are (laughs) yeah there are like sporadic cases of cremation from around like the sixth millennium bc onwards but starting in like the late second, early first millennium, which is like the late bronze to iron age transition in this area of the world. Um, Especially in like Northern Syria and the Northern Levant, it becomes the dominant practice um, and continues to be the dominant practice like throughout most of the iron age then. So like the Phoenicians, for example, if you've ever heard of them, mostly cremated their dead. Um, The Punic, City-states also, so like Tyre mm-hmm. and these sorts of places, mostly cremation. Um, the Hittites actually, so like the Hittites are from central Anatolia, second millennium BC. And we have texts that describe the Hittite royal funeral practices. So like what you do when a Hittite king or queen dies. Was it written in emojis? <laughs> Sorry. Sort of. Cuneiform. Right. No, I was just like, we have text. So I was like, who dis? Yeah. Like. <laughs> so these texts describe 14 days of ceremonies. And they're like sacrifices and like ritual dancing and singing and chanting and mm-hmm. libations and all of this sort of stuff. 
night one, like the night that the king dies, someone is supposed to keep vigil over the body and they burn the body like that night. Day two, a group of women, like a specific type, like a specific group of some sort of like ritual specialists who are all women. (laughs) Again, not uncommon, Um, just funny to me for whatever reason. Like, (laughs) yeah, they extinguish the fire, like the, the crime, the cremation pyre. They extinguish it using wine and beer. And then they collect the bones with silver tongs. You put them into a silver jug filled with like a special type of oil. And then after you dip them in the oil, you take them out and put them onto like a special type of cloth to dry. When you've collected all of them and like laid them all out onto your cloth, you wrap them up in the cloth and then you put the cloth like bundle, I guess, (laughs) onto a throne that like you've made specifically for this occasion like a death throne okay yeah i don't know (laughs) like they have they use a special word for it (laughs) and then they put this specific type of bread and something that they call that is translated as oil cakes i'm not really sure what that means but like type of food yeah they like put that around the pyre then they put a table in front of the throne with the bones on it and offer bread to like the dead king and it seems like there's maybe a funeral feast at that point because it describes like multiple people present drinking to the deceased three times poor one out for the homies yeah i get it yeah totally then they make an image of like a man if it's a king a woman if it's a queen using figs raisins olives and fruit i don't know how this is accomplished that sounds hard but like okay i mean it's mosaic i get it you just (laughs) and you pour beer inside of it so like this effigy of the person i and then in front of the effigy a woman uses a set of scales to weigh like so these texts are obviously fragmentary. I'm not really sure. It's unclear what the the point of this next bit is, but a woman uses a set of scales to weigh clay against silver and gold and precious stones. And then something happens, but like break in the text, I don't know what. Ah, <laughs> the magic has been left out. Okay. <laughs> Right. (laughs) After the texts pick up again, like after the break. (laughs) So this is like some days later, but when exactly is unclear. The bones are taken to something called the stone house. So like a tomb, one assumes. And they're put onto like a beer. And an effigy. Like not the kind you drink, but the like. Right, B I E R. So like a platform, basically. I just hope that because there's a lot of beer flowing in this. Uh, no, you're right. Ritual. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and and an effigy takes the place of the bones for the following rituals for the rest of the the fourteen days. It's unclear to me, at least, if this is like the effigy that 
we already made out of like the food or if this is a different effigy. I am not sure. Okay. Um, but the like then the rest of the time, the rest of the 14 days is taken up by rituals, which like according to the texts ensure that the king or the queen will have like a good afterlife that will like mirror their life on earth, you know, this type of a thing. Um, and that takes up the rest of the 14 days. And all of the stuff that you use in these various rituals also gets burned. So like not just the body is cremated, but like all of this stuff also gets cremated after it's been used in these rituals. These are the sorts of things that always make me feel like somebody with OCD came up with the procedure for this. Like (laughs) that's a lot of, that's fair. Yeah. Very specific steps along the way. Very specific. Yes. (laughs) I must find my silver death tongues. Hang on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not like they had, like, especially, like, priests. It's not like they have that much else to do, you know? Oh, for sure, which is how they have time to come up with these (laughs) elaborate rituals to make it seem like they're the only ones who can actually perform, you know, to make their services more valuable. They're like, listen, listen, listen. Listen. It's very specialized. You need like lots of training. I don't think anyone else job. on earth could probably <laughs> capture this king's nose in olives. I got this. Like All right. Yeah, totally. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and then it, so in Europe in the kind of in the Neolithic period, um you see secondary burning of bones that had already been defleshed okay in kind of the balkans and along the danube starting in like the late mesolithic early neolithic so that's like the eighth millennium second seventh millennium bc um so yeah sorry when uh do we know if it's like this is maybe a disgusting question, but like deflesh in the sense of like they died and then they like skinned them or like de- like in the sense that like when we were talking like about ossuaries, like they bury them for a while right. and then they pull them up and they wash the bones off and they like take the bones elsewhere. I am not 100% sure okay. because again, like not my area, right. but I believe that it's the former, like nice. cut the flesh off the bones. Nice. And then burn them. Okay. I could be wrong, though. Okay. Not 100% no, just sure. A, just a question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you see similar things in Iberia in, like, starting in, like, the late 5th millennium through up to, like, the 2nd millennium BC. So, like, for a really long time. But in both of these areas and, like, throughout these periods, like, inhumation is the norm. And, like, you see some, like, secondary cremations happening also so like throughout europe in general there are these kind of sporadic cases throughout the neolithic and like the earlier parts of the bronze age and then around the middle to late bronze transition which is like slightly later dates than the near eastern ones but this is also like roughly the late second millennium early first millennium ish so like at about the same period of time um cremation becomes pretty common and it stays that way throughout most of the iron age for 
not all of Europe, but like a good chunk of Europe, especially kind of central and northern Europe. It becomes like the norm. So in Scandinavia, for example. Which I think is what most people, when they're thinking of like old school cremation, I think this kind of popularized notion of the Scandinavian Mm -hmm. rituals is what people think about. Yeah, so, like, the Scandinavian Bronze and Iron Ages, like, up through the Viking era, which is, like, the 9th, 10th, 11th centuries, like, Mm -hmm. A.D., um, it's, like, cremation is the dominant practice. So, like, like you said, these kind of Viking, especially, like, the Viking ship burials, right? Yeah, that's what everybody thinks about. Fun fact, Viking ship burials are actually almost never burnt. (laughs) Like, we find them very often because what they do is you, like, put the dead person in a ship, pile lots of stuff into it, and then build a mound over top of it. Right. They buried them with their ship. They didn't... Right. Yeah. But you don't set it on fire. Or... Almost all the ones we have found have not been set on fire. That's what I was saying. They're, the popularized version is what people right, think exactly. of. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, like, Viking ship burials, definitely a thing. But they were not cremations. Like, they didn't just, like, push the boat for... out into the water and then, like, <laughs> shoot the flaming I arrow. I mean, maybe. Which is what. Right. I know that's, like, the, the image. And it's, I'm not, like, ruling that out as right. a possible thing that people did. Because, to review, if they did do it, we would not find that archaeologically. Right. <laughs> right? And like, we don't have any those records. Burnt, right. Those burnt remains would be at the it. bottom of the ocean. Right. Yeah. So, like, despite, there are a few, like, Viking ship burials that have been found that were burnt. So, like, there are a few famous exceptions. Um, but they were not usually burnt. The The reason, I think, in my opinion, that people think that these were burnt is because there's this really famous account of an Arabic traveler in, like, the Viking region. I want to say it's in Russia, but I could be wrong. Um, he wrote this very famous account that gets quoted, like, all the time in basically anything you ever read on cremation of like the Viking chieftain who has died and they like put him in his ship and they sacrifice a couple of slave girls and then they set it on fire. And once it has burned down, then they build the mound over top of it. So like there are these accounts and there are some exceptions, but in general, these things were not actually burnt. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, though, and you can cut this out if you want to, but, like, (laughs) I just think this is super interesting. There are some, maybe some links in Scandinavia between metalworking and cremation. So they have found furnaces in both, like, metal workshops and in cemeteries that contain both cremated human bone and metal production traces. So, like, that makes flags. Perfect sense to me. Right? So, like, are they using corpses for fuel? Like, in order to fuel mm. this fire? Like, metallurgy is, at the very least, a quasi magical process, usually. And the metallurgist or, like, the blacksmith has the capability in, like, most 
ancient cosmologies has the capability to like harness cosmic powers right he like through the creation of metal implements he both like reenacts and recreates the cosmic order so like this would make total sense to me I mean, I also just on a practical level, like when we talked about uh, coffins, right? It was like furniture makers became coffin makers. They have the tools and the setup to do so. Like, so I have this giant furnace that heats things really hot. Well, (laughs) I need to make a sword and I also need to like burn a person. So like, great, twofer. (laughs) That, like, however they justify it and however they tie it to, like, right, how yeah, their society yeah. works. But, like, just on a very practical level, like, yes, of course. That makes yeah, total yeah. sense. I'm, I'm with them. Yeah. And, like, the temperature is reached in – well, the temperatures necessary to, like, smelt metal are roughly those that are seen in, like, the grade four burning. Right. Like, the highest burning that mm-hmm. I talked about before. So, like – Totally possible and super interesting. I read that and was like, that's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Iron Age Greeks, like especially the earlier Iron Age, like pre kind of classical Athens period, um, mostly cremated. They're dead. So like very famously, of course, in the Iliad, Patroclus's funeral, he is cremated, Um, which is funny because... At the time that the Iliad is supposed to have taken place, which, like, is commonly accepted to be the end of the Late Bronze Age, like, those Greeks were not cremating their dead. (laughs) The ones who were cremating their dead are the ones from when the Iliad was written, not from when it is supposed to have taken place. Right. So, like, fun. Yeah. Um, And there are, like, I can post some, uh, I can give you some, like, references for this but there are a lot of really interesting parallels between the Hittite rituals that I talked about for the kings and the funeral of like the descriptions of the funeral of Patroclus it seems that again based on textual sources at least it seems that the Greeks like the Iron Age Greeks may have taken a lot of the kind of ceremonies and rituals um from like Hittite uh, origins, I guess. Um, cremation is also pretty common in early Anglo-Saxon Britain, so like fifth and sixth centuries AD, especially in the southeast in Anglia. Um, and it's fairly widely accepted that these probably has to do with like the um, their Germanic, like the Germanic links of those populations Mm. Um, because it's also like practiced in those Germanic source populations as well. These like these Anglo-Saxons are probably the source population for the story of Beowulf, which also includes descriptions of cremations. Although Beowulf of course, isn't written for like many centuries at this point, like that memory of like our ancestors did these things and like cremated their dead clearly stuck with people for a long time. Right. Something interesting about like kind of all of these Iron Age cremations is that they are often like, so all of these are cremation burials, right? Inside urns. And they often 
like kind of reassembled the body within the urn. So like as they're picking up the bones from the pyre, they like put them in the urn in kind of a rough anatomical order so that like at the bottom of the urn you get feet bones and then just above that you get leg bones and that you know like and so on and so forth odd (laughs) so actually this is a fair question because i a lot of people there's a lot of misconceptions so if we're looking at like Hmm. modern modern cremation when you get like if you cremate somebody and they hand you the cremains i think a lot Mm -hmm. of people think it's just like soot essentially it's just powder and it's not it's pretty chunky oh yeah in case you're curious definitely not pretty yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but even if you're aware of that now like what would the consistency like what is the consistency of those like uh, when you say like they're in a rough order like is there an actual like femur how recognizable would they be it depends on a lot of different factors and it differs widely obviously um but they can't like the chunks can be big, like mm-hmm. definitely big enough. They can be to be recognizable as like that is the head of a femur. Now you're not you're probably not going to get like an entire femur because it's a really long bone. But right. like the femur head, you know, like yes, absolutely, it's one of the strongest and like thickest part like pieces of bone on the entire body like it will take longer to burn i'm i think i'm just curious because i'm wondering how they would how they would identify the bones i'll talk about that when we talk about how yeah great yeah (laughs) we will get there (laughs) (laughs) um they also often like dress the cremains with like jewelry and clothes the urns are sometimes like anthropomorphic so you see like like, they're called face urns in northern europe they dress the bones themselves or they dress the urn yes okay both okay well they dress the bones themselves and the the urns also are also like decorated in a way that like we're gonna mimic can mimic like the human body put this ring on like a finger bone and yeah okay yeah yeah (laughs) So you have, like, face urns in Northern Europe and, like, Etruscan, they're called canopic urns, even though they have nothing to do with, like, Egyptian canopic jars, but they, like, are Mm human-shaped. So there there does seem to be this concern with, like, even though we're cremating the dead and, like, breaking their body into pieces, then, like, we're reconstituting it, sort of, you know, and we're, like, rebuilding it. Right, like, we don't want people to forget that they were people. Right, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You also see something that are called um, house urns. So, like, and this is literally exactly what it sounds like. It's like an urn that is shaped like a house. Um, this appears shaped again. Like Hugh Laurie. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Shaped That'd like be crazy. a house. <laughs> <laughs> this also appears like mostly in. Uh, Northern Europe and, like, Scandinavia-ish, but, like, also in Italy, for example, um, in kind of the early first millennium BC. And then did they put, like, entire families in the house, or or was that still just, like, one? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. As far as I know, it's just one. Um, I'm not sure, though. And then... a little tiny mini, like, mausoleum, like the family mausoleum, but, like, a mini 
that w- yeah, that's awesome. totally like I your like own personal mini mausoleum. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and then in the Roman world, like before the kind of late first, early second century AD, um, they're doing cremation mostly. That's the time period. So like we're into like early empire period now. That's when they switched to inhumation. But like before that, the Romans and then like as they conquer the world, also the rest of the Roman world. So is there like a discernible pattern to when the popularity of one type or another would have switched? Because I know in certain circumstances, like plagues, like they were like, let's burn the crap out of these bodies. But like, right. Are there certain like external forces that cause this switch or certain societal structures or something that seem to? Yeah, there absolutely are. But they are obviously different for every single case, you know. But, okay. like, yeah, So there's no, like, general pattern of, like, generally when a society X, then they start no. burning their bodies or whatever. No. Okay. No. All right. I wouldn't say so. No. Like, in the Roman case, when they convert to Christianity, like, the the Abrahamic religions, like, all three of them, generally have a very strong concern about, like, the integrity of the body after death. Right. So, like... That's why the Romans stopped burning their dead. I mean, they stopped burning their dead, like, slightly before they switch to, they convert to Christianity. But, like, that kind of entrenches that switch. And, like, there's no going back now type of a thing, you know? But then my question Um, would be, like, why do those religions issue cremation? Is it just a reactionary thing against paganism? Or is there some, doesn't matter. Questions that are not your responsibility right now. Because <laughs> those questions do have answers, but like they are specific to each culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to get into the history and like culture of each specific society individually and like yeah. Um in Africa cremation tends to be fairly rare. Generally like it's taken as a sign of a bad death. So, like, people who commit suicide, criminals, witches, women who die in childbirth, people who die of specific diseases, things like this. Like, they tend to be cremated. But, like, inhumation is kind of the norm across time. Um, in Asia, of course, it's the primary practice in, like, both Hinduism and Buddhism. So, in Tibet... Cremation and sky burial, so exposure burial, seem to be, like, the earliest two forms of burial, and they're both still practiced today. Cremation is and has been preferred, usually, like, when Mm -hmm. and where wood is available. But if you don't know what sky burial is, it's super cool. Like, when there's no wood to burn the body, and when the ground is too frozen to bury the body, what they do is... They, like, cut up the body and put it out on a mountain ledge, essentially, for predators to come and eat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Hindus, like, in Hinduism, it's described in the Vedas as, like, the proper way to dispose of a body. So as Hinduism... And Buddhism spread across Asia, like, so does cremation then, you know? This seems 
like right to me in the sense that like I don't know like a lot of those religions are all about like the circle of life and like everything is connected and like whatever so it makes sense that it's like here's fuel for the wolves or whatever so like yeah that makes sense I'm actually (laughs) for that I think that's a really good yeah yeah system yeah absolutely I'm totally on board yeah (laughs) all right sky burial Um, it is (laughs) (laughs) fantastic (laughs) actually like in a in the event of a tragedy not that your parents would call me but if they called and they were like hey I know you do this podcast (laughs) with Tara about death like do you know what her thoughts are this would be like sky burial and they'd be like sky burial (laughs) fuck you Emma and I'd be like that's fair fuck you you're not invited to the funeral (laughs) Exactly. You would like to feed our daughter to coyotes. Get out of her house. That's fair. That's totally fair. In Hinduism, apparently, like, so the skull, I'll talk about this a bit in more detail in a minute, but like the skull explodes, right? Or can explode. When a body is cremated. So, like, the explosion of the skull is the moment that the spirit or, like, the vital breath is released. So, like, once that happens, <laughs> then the person is dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For and sure. Then, I mean, definitely <laughs> dead at that point. Yes. Right. Yeah. No coming back from that. Yeah. No, we're beyond the pale. And then the ashes are collected and, like put into the river ideally the ganges so you a person like i'm sure that like this is a kind of familiar piece of hinduism that i think um is kind of out there in culture like a person is able to reach salvation or like nirvana if their body is cremated properly and then disposed of in the ganges or like one of its tributaries as well Mm -hmm. um And I've also seen that apparently the time that it takes a body to burn is thought to be proportional to the amount of sin that a person committed. So, like, more sinful people take longer to burn. Yeah. Which would essentially be, like, larger and or fatter people simply based on the (laughs) amount of fuel. (laughs) Which makes sense because, like thinness in most religions has always been associated with purity yeah yeah yeah, interesting totally i like that yeah i dig it yeah the buddhists like don't tend to dispose of ashes in the in the rivers they tend to put the ashes into stupas which are those like kind of bell-shaped monument things that you see um yeah yeah yeah. i had to like searching my mental wikipedia (laughs) oh yeah yeah so like the Buddha is cremated and his ashes are like put into a stupa. Um, so yeah, as Hinduism and Buddhism spread across Asia, then like so does cremation and it's still practiced in like many parts of Asia today as the mm-hmm. majority. It's not such a thing in most of South America and Central America as well. They don't tend to do lots of cremations, although there are um, some kind of pockets of exceptions. North America also like, in general, not big on cremation. There are like the Ohio Hopewell sites in kind of like the Ohio River Valley area mm-hmm. um, around like 
the kind of the first part of the first millennium AD. Um, there was lots of cremation happening there. Some of the Pueblo and like related cultures also cremation was fairly common, um, kind of at the end of the first millennium AD. And in the Mississippi, um, like at Cahokia, for example, the Mississippi cultures um, in like the 11th and 12th century ish, there's also like a fair amount of cremation. But in the Americas, generally, like inhumation or exposure or like yeah. other forms of burial seem Not to be. Yeah. Which I think, is, I mean, that's still pretty true today. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you do see in, like, North America and Australia as well and, like, different parts of the Pacific Islands, you do see – what you see more often than, like, cremation of the whole body is cremation of, like, particular body parts. So, like, you cremate only the head, for example. Or if the person – What? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? That's so I don't know, weird. I don't know. Pick, you know I'm a big fan. Pick something and go with it. We're going to bury this or we're going to burn it. I'm not going to hack it to bits and burn this part, but bury that part just in case. Like, that's nonsense. I don't know. Hedging your bets, no? No. Nope. You know I don't do that. No. We are committing in a direction. Also, I just don't want to hack up a body for that. Like, oh, that's a lot. Sorry. I got very judgmental there. Suddenly it just seemed like such a weird use of energy to me like (laughs) you also like can especially if someone died from a disease or if like I don't know they were considered some sort of like they that they had some sort of like social ill type of a thing you know you see them cremating like the quote-unquote sick part of them also sometimes so like this can be like a part of the body symbolically represents the whole body because like i don't know we're on a pacific island and like there are only three trees so like we gotta save them type of a thing um it can be like you know resource saving time saving Mm. like part of the body symbolizes the rest of it you know so We've, I've talked a little bit about this throughout, like, but let's talk about, like, the ideology behind cremation. So, like, like I said, it depends on every different society at every different time. But, like, there are some general themes, right? So there's, like, fire as a purifying agent. Yeah. So, like, dead bodies are impure and they have to be purified before, like, other rituals can be carried out. Mm-hmm. Fire removes the corrupted flesh and like lets the pure bones carry on into like whatever needs to be needs to be done with them yeah Mm -hmm. there's also fire as a release it releases like some crucial aspect of the person so like whether you want to call it the soul or the spirit or like the constituent elements or the life force or you know whatever it releases like personhood (laughs) right and like lets the deceased transition fully to the world of the dead by the destruction of the body. Yeah. Right. This is also like fire is transformation. So the body is like consumed and therefore transformed as the smoke from the fire rises to the heavens. So does the soul. There's lots of links to like 
burnt offerings. So when you read about like ancient religions, right? Like the ancient Greeks, for example, you go to the temple and you give a burnt offering. So it's like maybe an animal or maybe some like, I don't know, grain or something like you have to, it has to be burned so that the gods can like consume it. It's the same sort of idea with a person. This is again, like a return to the basic elements of the body. And like, those are repeating the, like the, um, like the purity thing. It's like, they, they, Mm -hmm. even today you will get certain, certain groups of people who tell you when you move into like a new house or something that you burn sage yes. to like purify the yes, space. Yes, exactly. So, like, exactly. This is very common. It goes back forever yeah. and across many, many cultures. Yeah, totally. Fire as like a method of communication. So whether that's with the gods or whether that's with the ancestors, you know, like fire and smoke are used to communicate with like the you know spiritual supernatural powers. Fire as destruction, obviously. Um, Like, sometimes people, like, in some belief systems, you need to destroy the body as quickly as possible so that its spirit can be released to go on to the next world or, you know, to be reborn, perhaps. So this is something that you see in, like, Buddhism and Hinduism as well. Right. Um, And fragmentation, obviously, is a big theme. Like, the more concerned you are as a society about like fragmentation of the body and the more that it's seen as a thing that should happen to bodies the more likely you are to cremate so bodily integrity is seen as like something that's good something that we need in like early christianity for example judaism islam as well like we're very concerned about like keeping the body whole and intact so that it can, you know, rise a judgment day or like whatever your specific reasoning is. And so like, that's one of the reasons that cremation was like a big no, no, because like it destroys the bodily integrity. But other societies think that like their belief system was the opposite, right? Like body should be fragmented. So to release that is your point of view, right? Like it would encumber. Right. Right, exactly. Whatever part of you, if it continues exactly. to stay intact. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's your point of view, then you're more likely to cremate your dead. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And when it's not a majority practice, all sorts of social factors go into, like, who gets cremated when it right. is, like, something that doesn't happen as a matter of course. Things like age, gender social status the circumstances of your death like very often you see people who are like hit by lightning for example like they get cremated or who die of some specific illness or who die in childbirth or this sort of thing criminals or like other social outcasts you know um maybe children only children are cremated or only adults are cremated you know this sort of thing there's also practical considerations obviously like how much space you have to bury people um how many cases of illness you have to burn people right exactly exactly um these sorts of practical considerations so now let's talk about how bodies burn okay <laughs> quick warning to all of our right. listeners uh that yeah. this is going to get a little graphic um mm-hmm. 
Tara and I have had many conversations about (laughs) this exact thing over the years because we're weirdos. But like, and so I'm like used to it at this point. But I know from having tried to discuss it with people who aren't Tara, uh, they get a little squeamish. So if you are a little squeamish, um, be forewarned that this may get a little graphic and you can just like go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. Just like skip to the end. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we like this information is from both like ethnographic accounts and experimental cremations because archaeologists love to do experiments like this. (laughs) So we talked in the spontaneous combustion episode about the temperature that human fat burns at, which I said was 250 degrees Celsius, which is true. But a fleshed body needs a much higher temperature, obviously. It's closer to 700 to 800 degrees Celsius. Um, When we talked about it with spontaneous combustion, like the low temperature burning was reliant on having some sort of like tear or cut or opening in the skin to release the fat so that it could burn at a low temperature. But if you're starting with like a whole body, you're going to need a higher temperature to to burn. Exactly. Exactly. So like obviously most of what would have happened in the past were like open air funeral pyres. And this sort of thing is like a significant expense of resources and would have been like an enormous spectacle. It can last like obviously the time varies wildly, but like let's say circa 10 hours ish temperatures up to like 1213 degrees celsius but it really needs to be at least 800 degrees to like really destroy a body and chemically alter and like fragment the bone below this temperature the bone is unstable but like no color changes really happen and there are all sorts of obviously like influencing factors that you have to take into consideration so like weather conditions and the fuel type so whether you're using wood or peat or charcoal, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, how you, like, build the pyre, like, the shape and the size, and, like, whether there are gaps in the middle of it, or, you know, these sorts of things, like, the position of the body, is it inside the pyre and, like, covered up, or is it on top of it, and whether you've added any sort of, like, additional substances, so you've, like, rubbed the body in, like, butter or grease or fat, or you've, like, poured oil on it or something like this, yeah? (laughs) I... It just, it seems so American South of like, we'll rub this body down with some butter <laughs> and throw it on the fire pit. Like, what are we doing? I have some questions. Uh, a cremation of this kind would have produced like tremendous amounts of heat and smoke and light. Yeah. For like yeah. hours and hours and hours. And ethnographic accounts say that this type of pyre smells predominantly like burning hair and as well as like whatever fuel has been used. But like, I feel like the hair would burn off reasonably quickly. So like at first it smelled like burning hair or like over time. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Unclear to me. Not sure. I feel like not to be gross, but I feel like honestly, after a little while, that it would smell like like barbecue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They they report like an acrid smell. I guess oh, maybe yeah. that's why people I mean, compare if it to you've ever hair. singed your hair, 
you know mm-hmm. that that smell is incredibly distinctive and pretty awful, but I feel like it would yeah. go away pretty quickly because there's only so much hair and it burns pretty fast. But I feel like the smell might linger, though. Mm. No? That's true. I feel like that whole, that whole smell would probably linger. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, maybe not for the, the entire time, but for, like, a significant period of time. Depending on the fuel to person ratio. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've gone to some dark places. But depending on the person <laughs> to fuel ratio, like a lot of the smoke and the residue would also probably be pretty greasy. Yeah. Totally. Which exactly. would make it cling to things and linger also. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Burning and hair. like depending on what type of wood you use, like if you're using juniper wood or if you're using sandalwood, right. you know, like different woods have different smells, obviously. Right. So like right. it would smell like that wood or like whatever the fuel source you're using is plus burning hair apparently i don't know i think i've never attended one so i I can't say from personal experience after the apocalypse if we're ever doing an open (laughs) pyre funeral and it's me please use birch wood if you can find it i love the smell of birch birch wood wood. okay okay i don't know if i've ever i'm not don't know if i'm that familiar with smells a little bit like root beer like in a nice huh. way, not in a sick okay. sweet way, but just like in that earthy yeah. root beer kind of way. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. There were around so- my house when I was a kid. <coughs> <clears throat> so like build your pier, put your body on it, light the fire. First, anything that's covering the body would burn, obviously, right? So like that would be a coffin if you put the body in a coffin, a burial shroud, clothes, this sort of thing. These burn, and, like, now you can see the body. Yeah. As the body heats up, any insects that are inside, so things like maggots, from the heat, like, escape and run away as fast as they can. Match. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then the body would start to shrink under the influence of the heat. Like, the soft tissues dehydrate, Mm -hmm. and the whole body kind of shrinks down. Next, things like hair and skin and fat shrink tear and then start to burn revealing things that are underneath them the muscles your bones your organs obviously areas with like a thin covering are where the bones are exposed first so hands knees feet face face these are the yeah these are the the bones that you'll see first your hair your hair and nails start to melt actually instead of like Burning, burning properly yeah. they melt and deform and then bodily liquids and gases inside the body start to expand under the heat which causes a the corpse to change colors in like very fun and disgusting ways so this is because of the carbon monoxide that's released by the fire which binds to the red blood cells instead of oxygen. So, like, that's what causes the color changes. As the gases expand and the liquids expand, this causes bloating and, like, liquids leaking from various orifices. So, like, blood trickling out ears and mouths and things like this. Um, This will also cause, especially, like, the gases expanding and contracting will cause, like, moaning noises from the corpse nice nice gotta get that yeah. good zombie action and eventually <laughs> yeah eventually the body liquids will evaporate 
depending on the heat levels and like maybe how the person died and like ways that the gases can actually escape these can be expelled as like jets of stream of steam like shooting yeah. out no, of <laughs> from the body that makes <laughs> and can explode obviously like if there is right. no outlet for the gases in particular like can explode so like in theory things are burning stuff's having a great time and your torso is going to be the last thing to burn because there's just so much like stuff there right so like if that expands yeah in theory the burning corpse's torso could just like explode with right goo yeah yeah hot totally stuff yeah uh-huh which Absolutely. is why this would have been an awesome spectacle like people would have been like what are you doing today <laughs> i'm gonna go watch them burn steve should be a good time it's gonna be great because <laughs> like what else yeah. are you doing yeah once the body fat melts, it, like, obviously then begins to drip over both the body and, like, the rest of the funeral pyre, like, dripping down through the pyre, yep. which then feeds the fire in all of the ways that we talked about in mm-hmm. uh, when we talked about spontaneous combustion. Your muscles and your ligaments tighten and contract, like, before they begin to char. Um, so it can look like the body is kind of twitching and like writhing around even as the muscles contract. So like the boxer position that we've talked about multiple times, um, this happens with bodies as they cremate. And this process also like makes cracking and like snapping noises as well. You can apparently hear this happening. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. As the pyre continues to burn like it will slowly collapse as it burns up its fuel right right and the body will also obviously like collapse Collapse with it so it starts to move like slowly slowly downwards eventually the bones will become exposed and they will crumble this also makes a lot of cracking noises the skull will eventually explode once it's like the pyre has mostly burned down if you're going to extinguish it with some sort of liquid, so like water, oil, wine, beer, et cetera, et cetera. This will further fragment the cremains, like very quickly cooling the very hot bones <laughs> will crack the brittle bones. Yeah, so this like causes further fragmentation. And you'll be left with a mix of like burnt bone, burnt artifacts, if you burned any artifacts with the person, like jewelry or if it's in prehistory, pots probably were put on it. Um, bits of charred tissue, because, like, not everything is going to burn completely. Um, charcoal, any ash left over from the fuel, and a bunch of burnt soil, obviously. Like, the earth right. underneath it would be burnt, right. too. So The remains, question. though, yeah. So you had said, like, the time on this obviously varies based on weather and the person and the fuel type and, like, yeah. all of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, like, roughly how long would it take between, like, I built my pyre and you, like, obviously you don't strike a match, but let's pretend you, like, strike the match and throw it <laughs> on the thing. Between that and, like, the body becoming unrecognizable largely, like, as a human. You know what I mean? Like, to the point where, like, when does the skull explode in that 10-hour range? Like, is it reasonably fast? Like, all point. of these things that we just talked about, do those happen pretty quickly? No. And then it just sort of, like... No. This happens over the course of, like, an entire day, basically. 
Okay. Roughly, I would say. So you would have to be, like, with your friend eating your popcorn on the bleachers for, like, quite some time before Steve's head exploded. Okay. So yeah, 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 sport. yeah. Like a, it's it's a, like a time investment. Yeah, before Steve's head explodes, I would say it's probably, I don't know, four to five hours at least. Okay. Right. I just depending like, on how much fuel you I, have and such. The reason I ask is because I think when you're listening to this, you imagine all of that happening very quickly because fire. Oh no! No seems, no no! Like fire seems very destructive and fire moves very quickly, yeah. and so when we hear about forest fires and house fires and those sorts of things we feel like right. it's a very quick process but i just wanted to make sure people understood that like nope it's going to be a while like we're going to be here a while oh, yeah like, your skin you're going to be there slowly all day long contracts yeah. and <laughs> right like yes your tissue slowly yes. dehydrates and like all of these things so yeah cool just checking yeah yeah no just you're absolutely sure right all on the same you're gonna, page you're gonna be there burning steve like all day long, probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to become honestly um, kind of boring, but like, what else are we doing? So <laughs> it's true. What else do we have to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, the body will, though, like, so, okay, burned down to ash, you've extinguished it. Now you're left with like pile of ash on the ground. The the bones will still be in, or what is left of the bones, will still be in, like, a rough anatomical order. So, like, based on experiments that they've done, as the body collapses on the pier, now it depends on how the pier is built, of course, obviously, but, like, as it collapses, it, like, tends to stay fairly horizontal and in mm-hmm. approximately the same position right. that it was when you set the okay. fire. So... <clears throat> It would, there would still be, like, fairly large chunks. I've seen photos of, like, largest chunks that you can look and point and be like, look, there's a hip, you know, type of a thing. (laughs) Um, And usually, like, if you're going to collect the bones, so, like, at this point, you can just, like, walk away, right, and just leave it. Or you can, like, cover it up with some earth and then walk away. If you're going to collect the bones, though, and, like, put them into an urn and then do something with the urn, whatever that's going to be, usually groups of, like, specific individuals are the ones who are, like, assigned to collect the remains. So maybe that's close relatives or maybe that's, like, the women of the village or maybe that's, like, some sort of priest or, like, ritual specialist or, like, chieftain or, you know, there's, like, usually specific people who are allowed to, like, go and collect the bones either using their hands or using like all of the Hittites, like special tools. Yeah. You have to have like tongs. Right. Sorry. Silver. 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 Yes. (laughs) You have to have like your special silver tongs, you know, sometimes the bones are washed before placing them in the urn. Sometimes you just directly put them in the urn. Sometimes you only pick out certain bones, right? So you pick out like the largest pieces, for example, maybe, Um, or you only pick out, the head or you only pick out like a representative portion of like so you pick out like a couple of skull fragments and like maybe some arm bits and a couple of rib bits and then like a couple leg bits and a couple feet bits you know like you don't pick up everything but you pick up like you know roughly representative portions um and if fragmentation is something that you're concerned about, like something that you, something that's a goal, then 
the bones can be deliberately further fragmented, like by grinding them or something like this. Because like I said, like there are going to be some large chunks left over in there, like fairly hefty pieces. Um, This makes more sense to me because like the reason, because I was like, how do they figure out how to stack it in the urn? And you're right. I'll get there. So like, I I get that now. Yeah. Like in my head, it was a much less uh, organized process huh, yeah like yeah, i was yeah. picturing much more like panning for gold like you just kind of go into the wreckage <laughs> of the pyre and like shift around and find some bone and like chuck them over there and then like how the fuck yeah. would you know what's what <laughs> this makes more sense to me this yeah people yeah, who because are not it's quite in, like roughly anatomical order right <laughs> and because there are like recognizable chunks still so like even right, if i right, don't right. see any like even if I can't identify any ribs, let's say, I can identify, like, the pelvis fragments. And right. so I know that the ribs are just above that type right. of a thing. And right? I know roughly where I, how I oriented them on the pyre. And I know. Exactly. Know, so yeah, I know no, that, that, like, that your, his hand should be, like, roughly here type of a thing. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, this is how. I just saw, like, a um, middle step involved of, like, removing the bones from that situation <laughs> before they... <laughs> Yeah. You know, so then I was like, what? Okay. But this, I got it. Yeah, no, no. You would be able to, like, recognize um, not everything, obviously, but, like, most of it. If you want it to be unrecognizable, then you, if you want, like, if the end result, if the, like, desired end product is, like, a bone full, an urn full of, like, bits of unrecognizable bone, you are going to need to, like, process those right. somehow mortar, to mortar like and pestle break them up the kind of thing yeah. yeah right or like i don't know put it in the urn and like shake it up or something because cremated bone is like so dehydrated and warped and cracked that like it's very brittle and it breaks pretty easily so it would be right. fairly easy to like further fragment it but like it would be an additional step that you need to take if you want it to be unrecognizable so yeah that's that's an ancient cremation. <laughs> That's part one. Uh, yeah. Which actually covers a lot of ground. Um, thank you. Because that's, I yeah, think, interesting. It and I hope I hope anybody <laughs> listening to a podcast about death would also find this interesting. If you don't, I feel like you're in the wrong place, honestly. Like, we appreciate right, you hanging out. for you. <laughs> we'll keep you. But uh, if you don't find it interesting, I, I'm sorry. Um, and so... Tara picked this up and uh, in our next episode, like two weeks from now, I'm going to pick up kind of how we developed modern methods of cremation and crematoriums and the actual like the process and the social structure of coming to modern cremation. Also, if you just try to make like a picture of your dead relative out of like olives and other foods, please send me a picture. Like, please at us on Twitter because I would love to see the food art. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, yes, um, on Twitter, send us those pictures <laughs> at In The End Podcast, <laughs> or you can email us at In The End Podcast at gmail.com and wait for cremation part two coming in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> I know, like teeth popping and all of that good stuff. But like, yeah. legit, I was at the gym the other day and I'm like running and I'm sweating. 
I'm like, oh, so, and then I had the thought that part of my fat yeah. is already liquid. And I like threw up in my mouth a little bit. And I wanted to die for multiple reasons at that point, not just because I was running on the treadmill. I was like, ah. 